seated. Do you believe that? Amen? Amen. Christ is stronger, sin is broken. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the reason we're here is to praise His name because all of the struggles that we had this week, and all of us in here had struggles, all of the difficulties, all of the mountains that we face, Christ is stronger. Sin is broken. We need to proclaim that. Uh, You probably need to speak that to something in your life this morning, something that you're struggling with. Uh, like I've done every week uh, for the past couple of weeks of this new series, uh, get your smartphones out if you have a smartphone, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, whatever it is that you have as a smartphone. Uh, get it out. I know you're in church, you guys that are visitors, they tell you put it up. I'm telling you take it out. So get it out. Um, we're using for the next month Facebook and uh, our iPhones and our iPads for, uh, for good instead of evil, since so many people like to think of it as evil, uh, for good. We're doing a series called Life-Changing Apps, looking at the book of 1 John, and so we're talking about apps and applications. So if you have a smartphone, if you have a Facebook app on there, I want you to click on that Facebook app. Open it up, uh, turn your, your phone, your ringer to uh, silent. Uh, we don't want to hear your crazy ringer in the middle of service, but turn, open Facebook. Uh, some of you don't have it. I know you still have flip phones. There's just a little bit of condemnation. So, uh, but open it up, Facebook. You can go home and tell somebody that our preacher let us look at Facebook in church. Top corner, uh, right-hand side says check-in. Now, I've been having you check-in. Uh, click check-in. You'll see First Baptist Blowing Rock should be on there. Uh, come up. It's right there. Or it should find us. Uh, and I've been having you check-in. Last week, I had you uh, write something. Write a verse. Write something that was on your heart. Uh, write something that you felt like God had placed on your heart. Put it in. Type it in uh, at that check-in. And now, this morning, I want you to do another step. I want you to be even more bolder. I want you to write something in there. You can write just hanging with Jesus or uh, spending Labor Day with Jesus or Labor Day with my family at church, whatever you want to put on there. Maybe God's put something on your heart this morning. Uh, I put this morning on my check-in, all who are weary uh, and burdensome, come to me and I will give you rest. That's from Matthew chapter 11. Uh, What a better passage on Labor Day than that. 
Jesus says, uh, I will take your yoke upon me and give you my yoke. Uh, and it is easy. And so uh, write something down. Now, to be even more bold, I want you to tag somebody. If you have a Facebook friend that is here today, uh, tag them. Put them in there. Now, you say, why are you doing this, Pastor? Well, last week after I had you do it, uh, I saw on Facebook almost 100 people between our two services. We had 340 or something here. Uh, almost 100 people checked in at First Baptist Church of Long Rock. And I started looking at your check-ins and seeing all the people that liked it or all the people that wrote something about it. Uh, and I, I shared with you last week, if we just had a hundred people out of our services check in at Facebook and they had a uh, hundred friends uh, that's a thousand people that would see your check in uh, if they had 200 friends or 300 friends and some of you have thousand friends think of all the people that are drifting through Facebook this morning looking for some kind of answers uh, looking for something and they see that verse and that was God's moment to speak to them uh, it's amazing the outreach that you can do so just do that real quick uh, we are on our series of life changing apps and uh, this morning, we're going to, this is number three in our series. You know, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty uh, pumped up because college football season has started. And, uh, what an incredible weekend. Uh, I am a huge college football fan. Uh, I love everything that has to do with college football. I like the atmosphere. Uh, I like the rivalries. I like uh, sitting all day Saturday and watching it on TV. The only thing better than sitting all day and watching on TV is actually going to a game and uh, being there live. I love the trash talk between the rivalries. Uh, I love everything about college football. I got up yesterday uh, early on Saturday so I could watch college game day just to watch about college football. Uh, I, I love it. And, and I have to tell you, as a fan of Texas A&M, uh, which uh, I, some of you got mad because I had Texas A&M on the logo here, so I added Yosef uh, under Texas A&M to, to make you happy. But uh, as a fan of Texas A&M, uh, it's been a long offseason. You'd think it would have been a good offseason because we finished uh, you know, our first year in the SEC with a winning record and ranked in the top. 10 and had a great bowl and had a Heisman Trophy winner, but there's been a lot of distractions. And so I was just glad to see football start yesterday, just to be able to get uh, the game going. Uh, now, if you remember, football season ended last year with quite a bit of controversy. Some of you might not remember uh, the, the national championship game in that game, Notre Dame and Alabama. Uh, one of the, the star players for Notre Dame, uh, who was also a Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, their linebacker was found out to have a made-up girlfriend, had a uh, pretend girlfriend, a girlfriend that was supposedly on the internet. And uh, poor guy, I mean, I felt so sorry for him. Uh, he was raked over the coals. I don't know if he uh, knew about it. I don't know if he uh, intentionally went along with it. I don't know if he was taken for a ride. Uh, I just know he got raked over the coals, and the comedians had a heyday with him, and it was in the news, and uh, everybody had an opinion on it. And, you know, and I remember thinking when that happened, when that all came out, is, is I don't get what the big deal is. Because every friend I had in junior high had a made-up girlfriend, right? <laughs> I mean, they did. It was always a girlfriend that was at my grandmother's house, or she went to a different school, right? Uh, I got a picture of here somewhere. I mean, but all, every junior high boy has a girlfriend. You just may not ever get to meet them, right? Uh, you may not see them. So I didn't understand what the big deal was last year with all the, 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 the ruckus. Uh, because, you see, we can laugh at it, but all of us at one time or another tend to do something like that. See, all of us tend to put on a mask and project ourselves as something maybe we really aren't. We project ourselves onto the people around us uh, of who we think they want us to be. 
Uh, we, we try to figure out what is going to help us fit into this circumstance. What is going to help us fit into this situation? And so we put on that, that a, a corresponding mask to fit in there, right? Because we don't want to be honest. We don't want to be open. I mean, none of us in today's culture wants to be the one that has problems, do we? I mean, that's why we have reality TV, right? We can watch other people and their dysfunction, and we can laugh at it, but none of us want to be the one with the problems. I mean, none of us wants to be the ones who uh, is struggling with eating disorders. None of us want to be the ones that struggle with anger issues or discouragement issues. None of us want to be the one that has the messed up marriage or the rebellious teenager or the child that has a learning problem. None of us want to be the one that, that, that everybody talks about or everybody looks at. See, our culture has created this shell so that instead of being genuine and honest and authentic, we put on masks. And we smile and we act like everything's okay. And what makes it even worse is the one place where you think we could be real. The one place where you think that we could be genuine. The one place that should be a refuge for those that are struggling with, with all that life throws at us has become nothing more than a show. I'm talking about the church. Talking about the community of believers in Christ. You say, well, pastor, you're exaggerating. It's not that bad. Well, think about how you struggled this week. Think about what you went through. Think about the difficulties or the victories that you had. And we struggle, and then we walk into the church, and the moment, it's, it's crazy, the moment we get out of our cars, I mean, I've seen families, I've been part of a family uh, that, I mean, we were fighting in the car on the way because somebody was late, uh, you know, my wife, somebody was late, and, uh, you know, they took forever to get there, and you're sitting in the car and waiting, and you're dragging the kids, and they're yelling, and they're screaming, and one over here wants to know where we're eating after church, and, you know, this one over here is yelling about something else that's going on, and, and you know, you just had a bad week anyway, and, and, you know, and your wife's saying, where's the checkbook, and you're saying, we can't afford to give today, and y'all start arguing about that, and, are we staying for Sunday school and all of this stuff? And I mean, it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. And you pull in the church parking lot and you open the door and it's like, hey. Good morning, brother. How are you? Doing good. Great week. Amen. Right? Now, I'm not saying we got to get out of the car and pour all our baggage on everybody else. But we could be real. Now, it wasn't a great week. No, I'm not doing real good. I'm struggling. Having a difficult time. You know, I, I saw something this week, and we've been talking about Facebook, and uh, there's a new disorder called Facebook depression. Uh, because people are wa- reading Facebook, and they're getting depressed because their lives don't match up to their friends' lives on Facebook. And I thought, really? Let me give you a little clue about Facebook. It's not real. Okay? You don't put on Facebook all the bad stuff. You only put the good stuff, right? We only put, you know, vacation again and at the lake and look, my kid's walking and he won first prize and they're the greatest kid in the world, you know. We don't put on there, look, my kid peed all over the floor today. Here they are, right? Went to the bank, you know, and stuck the ATM in card and it said, you know, rejection. And you don't put that on Facebook. It's not real, but life is. And somehow we have separated real life 
and who we are and what God has called us to be as a church and as a community from, from reality. And I want to share with you, if, if coming to church and being a part of a Christian community is merely putting on a front and pretending to be something that we're not, we might as well sleep in on Sundays. You see, there's a world that's looking for authentic. They're looking for real. They're looking for genuine. And pretend won't cut it. Because their problems and our problems are bigger than pretend will get us by. See, the Apostle John knew something firsthand about struggling. He knew firsthand that it was tough to be a Christian. Tough to walk in the body of Christ. And, and he writes 1 John, which is a companion uh, to his Gospel of John, a, as a handbook of applications. It's a handbook to allow Christians to take the truths of the Gospel of John and apply them to our lives to help us in our difficulties. And I've told you before that life uh, and especially the Christian life, it's not about a destination. It's about the journey. See, sometimes as Christians, we get so wrapped up into going to heaven that we forget about living on earth. And heaven is going to be great, but that's not the, the bonus of the Christian life. The bonus of the Christian life is learning in the journey and being with God and being able to overcome the problems of this world and experience life to its fullest here on earth. And we learned last week in this series that, that, that what happens is, is we were created and saved. Those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we were saved to have an intimate walk with God. That we can have fellowship with God. The word he uses is co communion. And we took communion last week. And that's where we get the word community. It means fellowship. It means intimacy. And you and I were created to be intimate with God. Now, I told you intimacy is not a sexual term. Intimacy is nothing more than being completely open. Hiding nothing is a great definition for intimacy. That's why Adam and Eve are the perfect picture of intimacy. Because they had nothing to hide until sin came in. And you see, our goal in every relationship we're in is to achieve intimacy. And we got all kind of baggage and that makes it tough. And uh, we have struggles and we bring things into our life and we put walls and we put barriers. But our goal is intimacy. And, and we were created to be intimate with God. But the Bible tells us and John warns us, that we can lose that intimacy. And while we can't lose our salvation, you can't be taken out of that relationship once you're in it, we can lose our fellowship because of sin. But John also hinted at something last week that I want you to see, and it's the main point of our applications this morning. You see, John hinted that not only is our intimacy with God in danger when we sin, but when we lose our intimacy with God, we lose our intimacy with those around us. You see, we weren't created just to be on this journey by ourselves. We were created to share the experience. We were created to share the highs and the lows with, with not just our spouse or not just with our families, not just with our children, but with a community, with the church. And what happens is, is when intimacy stops being a reality in the church, when we stop being authentic, then all of a sudden we no longer start sharing in the journey, and the journey is not the same as it's created to be. It gets hard. It gets difficulty. When what happens is, as we share within the community of faith, within the church, all of a sudden it's supposed to be uh, a lot easier because we're doing it together. 
Because I know that if I struggle this week, I know that if I fought hell all week, I can come in here and somebody that's going to be sitting on my left or somebody that's going to be sitting on my right, it, it had a good week. And that if I'm in the pit, I know I've got brothers and sisters that are going to reach down in the pit and help me up. Because they know I'm in the pit. And if I've had a great week and I come in and I can sing God is stronger because I had victories in my family, I know I can turn around and lend a hand to the person struggling beside me because I've been where they've been. You see, God created us not just to be intimate, but to be authentic within the body of Christ. When a church ceases to be authentic, when it ceases to be intimate, when it ceases to be open, it becomes nothing more than a social club. Now, I want you to hear me. We talk a lot about unity. Uh, I, I've preached on unity, and the, unity is an incredible topic. People seem to think that if we only had one service like we used to, then we'd be unified. Maybe if we all went to the same Sunday school class, then there'd be unity. Or maybe if we all uh, were in the same small group, maybe we had more fellowships. And I think I said the fellowship was Saturday. It's not. It's Wednesday. Wednesday night this week. And so what people say, if we had more fellowships like that, then maybe we'd be unified. Maybe if, if we did certain things or, or had this program or this ministry, maybe we would be more unified. That, that's all wrong. See, we could do all those things and not be unified. We could all meet in one room. We could all wear the same clothes. We could all sing the same songs in the same style and, and all read out of the same version of the Bible. And we still wouldn't be unified. We might be uniform, but we wouldn't be unified. You know why? Because unity doesn't depend on what you sing or how you sing or what service you go to or how big the church is or how small the church is. Unity is based on authenticity. Because you see, it's not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. And until the church becomes authentic, until the church becomes real, until we become genuine, we'll never experience unity. And I'm not just talking about First Baptist Bowling Rock. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the church that you go to at your place. Until we can get to the place that we can be open before God and open before one another, we will not experience the power of God. John calls it joy and abundant life. But the good news is John has an app for that. So I want you to read with me. A couple of truths that I'm going to show you from this app. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It's on your blue sheet. You can follow along. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, there's that truth about the fellowship, community, communion. Community comes from the word communion. That means coming together. We have fellowship with one another when we are walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. But if we claim to be without sin. Now, John's about to give a bunch of if questions. And if, it jumps right in the face of authenticity. Because what John is saying is, if you say one thing and live another, if you claim to be like this, but really you're like this, there's a problem. You see, he's dealing with us being authentic, us being genuine. He says, if you claim to be without sin, and that is the singular term for sin. It's not sins. Uh, he's dealing with our sin nature. He's dealing with the struggles that we have. We deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, and that's plural, he is faithful and just. One of the most famous passages in the uh, New Testament, a passage I encourage all new believers to memorize, 1 John 1, 9. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For if we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Who? God. And his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this so that you may not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. For he is the atoning sacrifice. Great theology lesson here. Propitiation is what some of your versions say. He is our, came in our place. He atoned for the payment of God's justice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the world. You see, John gives us some very clear applications on how we can find this unity how we can find authenticity, how we can learn to be open. And the first one jumps right out. He's talking about sin, not talking about the sins that we do. He's talking about our nature within us. And he says, if you claim to be without sin, if you claim that you don't have a problem with sin, if you claim that sin is not an everyday battle in your life, you're a liar. That's his words. That's not mine. So what is the truth we get from this? That every one of us in this room has something very important in common. Every one of us in this room has something that, that brings us together. And you know what that is? We all struggle. Every one of us in this room struggles. Look at your neighbor and say, I struggle. I mean, that's not, do it. Now, was that hard? We act like that's hard. That, that we don't do that, do we? We don't come to church and admit, listen, I struggle. I have difficulties. It's a tough time trying to be the parent God's called me to be, the husband, the wife God's called me to be. Why? Because I have a sin nature inside of me. And that sin nature leads me to be selfish. That sin nature, is the power of sin broken? Yes. Do we all still struggle with it? Yes. Because John says if you, if you act to yourself like you don't have any problems, you're a liar. You see, what brings us together this morning is not just the worship and, and its sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What we have in common is that 100% of us in this room have difficulties. We struggle. But you see, some of us like to act like I don't. We like to act like it, it's all easy. I don't have any problems. Everything's good. Because that's what the world wants us to say. John says, you're a liar, and it's keeping you from being authentic. It's keeping you from being real. It's putting a mask up about who you really aren't. And you see, what happens is we get in small groups, or we get in Sunday school classes, or we get in fellowships, and instead of being honest and and learning from each other and loving each other, we, we just act like we got it all figured out, and we walk out just as empty as we walked in. You see, the first step for you this morning is to admit, I struggle. All of us struggle. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter if you're a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, preacher. We all struggle. Listen, when I was in seminary, which wasn't 15, 20 years ago, they were still telling pastors that when you preach from the pulpit, don't share personal stories. Because, see, that had been the tradition for 50 years. Don't, don't share that you struggle. Because, you see, if you were to share that you struggle, then people won't necessarily lift you up. They'll, they'll, they'll pull you down a little. They won't respect you. And I reject that. But I want you to think about how we've treated pastors. Some of you have been in churches where a pastor has admitted they struggle with things. And so what happens? The church tears them apart. 
pastor comes up and struggles in their marriage. They struggle in a relationship. They struggle in one area. And instead of unifying and coming around them and helping them grow, what do we do? Say, well, we've got a flawed pastor. We better go find another one. Well, guess what? We're all flawed. Paul said, I'm the chief of flaws. Paul wouldn't qualify in most churches to be pastor. See, we all struggle. And what we do when someone struggles says more about us than about them. We'd rather walk away than deal with it. Because let me tell you something. Struggle means ugliness. Because life is ugly. And we don't like ugliness. We like control and we like pretty in the church. You ever seen somebody come to the altar and start weeping? You know what most of our first reaction is? Man, that makes me uncomfortable. I mean, shouldn't they do that somewhere else? Maybe somebody should tell them. They, the fleet of Jesus is the safest place to weep there is. But yet we're so conditioned to pretend that when someone is real, when someone is honest, and someone gets on Facebook and they put on there, horrible week, don't know if I'm going to make it, you got people that come under there and go, too much information. You need to share this in private. Don't put this on your Facebook page. Why? Because we can't handle it. What does that say about us? See, every one of us struggles. But John gives us a second point. What did he say in verse 9? Another if statement. If we confess our sins, one of the greatest promises in the New Testament, See, John is saying that confession is the opposite of trying to put up mask. Confession is the opposite of deception. Now, confession's not some formula, it's not some magic words. You know what the word confess means? It means to say what the God says, to say what the person says. Say the same thing. Confession is not feeling bad that you got caught. Confession is recognizing that there is something that came between you and God. What does he say comes between us and God? Sin. Let me just give you a little hint. You'll never defeat the sin that you're struggling with until you hate it as much as God hates it. See, some of you say you hate it, but you really love it. That's why you tuck it in your back pocket instead of getting rid of it. That's why you put it in a closet up on the shelf instead of cleaning the house. You'll never get rid of it. But what John is saying is the way to reconcile, the way to come back when we haven't been open, when when we haven't been honest, when we haven't been genuine, is to what? Is to confess. The Bible says if we confess before God, what? Our sins. All the things that we've done. If we understand that he hates them and we come before him and begin to say, God, I hate these things too because they become a wall between you and I. The moment we do that, all of a sudden we start becoming authentic. Now, how does that affect you and I? Does this mean we're supposed to get in front of each other and confess our sins? No. I've heard preachers say that. Well, you need to go find somebody and you need to share with it. No, you're not supposed to do that unless God specifically tells you to find somebody to be accountable to about something you really can't defeat on your own. It's not time for you to go unload on somebody. You know what it means? It means that when we become in an authentic, genuine relationship with God, when we're open before God, guess what? That helps us become open before other people. We start realizing that we have something in common. We've been forgiven. Do we struggle? Yes. But we got a God that loves us. We all struggle. Every one of us in this room. 
But all of us can find the opposite of deception through forgiveness. Let me give you a little bonus. And uh, this may be for somebody. You'll never be intimate. You'll never be genuine. You'll never be in right fellowship with someone that you've wronged until you confess and ask them to forgive you. That's hard. Can you be friends? Sure. Can you come to church and sit beside them? Yes. But you'll never be genuine and open with them if there's something between you. And if it's something they've done, you'll never be genuine and intimate until you forgive them. Let me just share with you. That may be the very thing that is robbing your joy. We have a way to be made right. Confession. We all struggle. Confession brings us back. Then look what John says in verse 10. Sounds like it's the same thing. He says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Well, it's a little different. You see, in the, in the earlier one, he was talking about sin uh, as in our sin nature. Here, he's talking about sin as in uh, sin that we commit on a daily basis, sin that we commit in our past. You, you see, what John is saying here is some of us act like our past isn't as bad as your past. You see, what happens is, is after we become Christians for a little while, after we start doing good, and after somebody all of a sudden around us struggles with something, and we have a tendency to say, oh, I can't believe they struggle with that sin. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? They, they have some problems in this area. Because, you see, we forget our past. Here, here's point number three on this app. Jesus knows everything there is to know about you. Jesus knows the dirt and the ugliness and the mess, and he loves you anyway. Authenticity is us treating people the same way. Being genuine, being open, is knowing and not judging the people around us for their struggles. Because you see, the moment we start judging, all of a sudden we put our place, ourselves as saying, I don't struggle with it. We forget what our past is. We forget that we were once like the prodigal son. We forget that we were once in the pig pen. We forget that we once turned our back on God, that we cursed God, that we walked away from God, that we were in disobedience. But in his love, he pursued us, and he poured his passion and his forgiveness and his mercy on us. See, some of us think we're doing God a favor by being in the kingdom. He's lucky to have me. That doesn't mean you live in your sin from the past, but it means you certainly don't forget it. Listen, Paul never forgot it. Paul reminded every church in every letter, listen, I was this, and I did this. And, and, and I mean, he, he reminded Peter. Peter came back. I mean, if I was Peter, the last thing I would want to remind people is that I denied Jesus three times. Peter does. He says, man, I'm the one who turned my back. Why? Because it keeps us humble and it keeps us loving and it helps us understand and relate to the person sitting beside us because we've been in their shoes. We may not have faced the same problems, but we've been in their shoes. All of us struggle. All of us have a chance for reconciliation. Jesus knows everything about us. And then the last thing, and this ties it all together. What does he say in chapter 2? Verse 1 and 2, he starts talking about Jesus. He starts talking about who we have and who we are in Jesus Christ.
John reminds us that we may see things differently. We may disagree on some things. We may worship differently. We may like different things, want different things, struggle with different things. But we all have something very important in common. Jesus saved us. And it's his blood that binds us together. It's his blood that strengthens us. See, it's real easy. And the enemy would love it if he kept dividing us. The enemy would love it if all we talked about and all we focused on were all of our differences. And what we disagree on or what we don't like or when I didn't get my way. But you see, what God wants us to understand is that if we're ever going to be open and genuine and and real and survive in community, we have to understand that all of that stuff means nothing compared to what binds us together. And that's Jesus Christ. Why not focus on what we have in common? Real joy is what John's saying, is found in community. It's found when we're authentic. It's found when we stop focusing on who we are, but who He is and what He's done for us. We all struggle. We all have a past. But we all have the precious blood of Jesus. That's where we find intimacy. That's where we find community. And the outflow of being open and genuine and real is always unity. And do you know what the result of unity is, John says? Abundant life. Because when we come together as the body of Christ, when we're open and real and authentic and strengthened by what binds us together, we are one in power. Let me tell you something. That's what a lost world is looking for. It's what a generation that's walked away from the church is looking for. See, there's no perfect church because there's no perfect people. And let me just help you out that sometimes hurting people inflict hurt on others because we're a hospital for hurting people. But when we're authentic... And when we're genuine and when we're real, we pursue and encourage wholeness. See, all of us are in this journey together. The joy comes from being able to share it. It's easy to wear a mask. Some even come to church specifically to hide and wear a mask. But it's an empty, empty existence. God is calling us to drop our guards. See, before we can display unity, we have to discover community. It starts with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I know there are some in here who have been burned who've been hurt in the church. There are some here who've been bruised and battered. Father, I've got more scars from what's happened in the church than what's happened outside. But Father, my hope and my joy is that for every time I was knocked down, there were five or six around me that, Father, lifted me up and encouraged me. 
For every time there was a difficulty, there was those that came around and loved and nurtured and strengthened. Father, let us be honest. Let us be genuine. Let us be authentic. Father, let us experience the joy of the journey. Father, I pray you bless each person here. I pray you'd encourage them. God, there are some here this morning that have been putting on a mask for so long they've started believing it. And they might not even recognize the real them because they've pretended for so long. God, let them know this morning you love the real them, the messy them, the struggling them, the hurting them. You love that person. And you forgive them. And you want to bring them back to wholeness, back to health. Father, I pray that would be true for all of us in here. God, we all struggle. We all fail. so hard for us to admit it. Pride, denial. God, let us be free this morning. Free to worship. Free to experience all that you've created us to experience. God, restore to us this morning joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us? from my sin and cover my iniquities create in me clean heart and renew right spirit within me don't cast me away from your presence don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the wonders of your love. Restore.